Scripture reading this morning is going to be in Acts 15, and uh, we're going to actually read down through the first few verses there of Acts 16 as well. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> going to read verses 36 of Acts 15 down through verse 5 of chapter 16. I'll read the first verse and ask that you join with me on the second, and we'll continue every other verse. Acts chapter 15, beginning with verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Our Father, we ask that you would be with us over these next few moments as we study your word. I pray that you would help me as I teach it to rightly divide the word that you've given to us this morning. Help us as we seek to learn and grow from what we see in your word this morning. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are continuing our study of the book of Acts, uh, seeing how the early Christians advanced uh, the kingdom of Christ in their time. And as we're working our way through the book, hopefully we're learning uh, lessons, principles uh, as as to how we too uh, can continue this work of building the kingdom of Christ, uh, preaching his gospel to the lost, and then each of us growing in our obedience uh, to the Lord. We're going to take a slightly different approach to the text this morning rather than working through it and then kind of at the end drawing out uh, principles, which is sort of our typical pattern. Uh, We're just going to go verse by verse through the text and kind of stop along the way and uh, give some lessons as we go. This text records the second of Paul's missionary journeys in the book of Acts. Back in Acts chapter 13, God had called uh, Paul and Barnabas to leave Antioch in Syria where they were and uh, basically to go to new places and spread the gospel of Christ to people who had never heard. And as our series cover says, the goal of the church is to make disciples of all nations. Those are the instructions that Jesus gave us right before uh, he ascended to heaven. He left us here with the mission to win the world to Christ. And God chose Paul and Barnabas to really begin that effort of launching the church outside of uh, the country of Israel into new places. And so they did just that. As we saw uh, back in Acts 13 and 14, the first missionary journey, uh, Paul and Silas left the city of Antioch. They headed to the island of Cyprus first. Uh, They preached there for some time. Then they head up to the mainland of what's known as Galatia, 
Uh, they went to Antioch, they went to Iconium, Lystra, and Derby, and then sort of on their return trip went back through each of those uh, cities, giving some final instruction, some encouragement to those churches they had established, ordaining elders and things like that. And then they sailed back to the city of Antioch of Syria where they started from. So that was the first missionary journey that we've studied over the last uh, few months here. Now in Acts uh, 15 toward the end here, we're probably about five years later. Okay, And Paul and Barnabas, uh, as we saw last week, they're back in Antioch. They're teaching, they're preaching the word at the church there. And that had really become their home. That was their base of operations. And Paul decides it's time to leave again and go on another trip. Uh, now, you might think that this second trip would go maybe somewhere uh, north or, or further west, somewhere out beyond uh, where they had gone before, going further, getting the gospel to new places, establishing churches where there were none. Uh, you might think they would just do that again, uh, go to new places, go to new countries, and do this all over again. Uh, but if you thought that, you would be wrong. Instead, they go right back to Cyprus, they go right back to Lystra and to Derby. they go back to all of the places that they had gone the first time. Uh, verse 36 says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Uh, Paul had a burden not only to reach the lost with the gospel, but also for discipleship. Uh, sometimes we think of Paul simply as a great uh, church planter, and certainly he was that. God used Paul to establish many churches in places that had never heard the gospel of Jesus before. He was a pioneer missionary. A pioneer missionary. Uh, but Paul wasn't content to just give lost people the gospel and then leave them uh, as brand new baby Christians and let them grow on their own. No, Paul wanted to see them grow and follow Jesus more and grow in their knowledge of God and his will for them. And so he wasn't content to just start churches and then leave them. He kept coming back, helping and teaching and guiding the churches that he started. And so this second trip, the second missionary journey, he wants to go right back to all of the places they had gone the last time. And, and I won't get into this, but next trip, which we'll see the third missionary journey, uh, several chapters from now, again, Paul goes back through all of the churches that they had started, returning again and again to each church. And all throughout, he's writing these long letters that we have in the New Testament of instruction and teaching uh, that he was sending to those churches, because Paul just had a heart for Christians to grow in their, their discipleship. He longed to see them uh, become more obedient to Christ, and so he writes out these instructions to them. Uh, he wanted families in the churches to be stronger, uh, marriages to be healthy. He wanted uh, them to be a witness of Christ and the gospel in their cities. And so we ought to follow that example as well. As much as I love uh, baptizing new converts is one of my favorite things to do as a pastor. I love seeing people saved and baptized, added to our church. Uh, we also can't neglect the importance of discipleship. And that's why each Sunday, each Wednesday here at a church, as, a, as, as a church, we're not just uh, preaching the gospel to lost people. We're going over scripture. We're teaching and growing and uh, learning more and more what it means to follow Jesus. Now, at this point, a disagreement arose among Paul and Barnabas. So Paul comes to Barnabas, he says, hey, why don't we go back uh, through all of those churches we established last time. Uh, let's see how they're doing, see if we can help them. And verse 37 says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, in case you've forgotten, uh, Mark was Barnabas's cousin. 
Uh, he had come up to Antioch with Barnabas, and then uh, he went with Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey, but he didn't last very long. Uh, after they went to the island of Cyprus, uh, as they're headed back up to the mainland there to those new places, Mark left them at that point. We're not told exactly why, uh, but apparently not for a good reason. He kind of quit on them. And so Barnabas wants to take Mark with him again, and Paul says, no, we're, we're not taking that guy. Uh, verse 39, this is truly a, a sad statement. It says, there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. God had called Paul and Barnabas as a team back in Acts 13. He had commissioned them to this work of establishing churches in these new places. He had chosen them specially to be his instruments to bring the gospel of Jesus to the world. God had greatly used them in planting churches in all those cities that they went to last time. Uh, they seemed to make a great team, but here they part ways. And as far as we know, they never united again after this point. Barnabas is never mentioned in the book of Acts uh, from this point forward. And this brings up one of these strange things about the church. This is sort of the first lesson I wanted to draw out of this. I have a uh, seminary friend, uh, seminary professor friend on Twitter that posted something yesterday. Uh, he said, what does the existence of the church reveal to us about God, his works, and his ways? And I responded and said, among other things, it shows us that God uses broken vessels to accomplish his purposes in the world. If you think about it, it is a wonder that God has entrusted the gospel to humans. Uh, he could have had angels bring the message of Jesus to the world and they would obey perfectly and do it just right. Uh, but instead, God calls us flawed people, humans, sinners, and God uses us to accomplish uh, the, the, the establishment and the building of his kingdom in the world. Paul was a sinner. Barnabas was a sinner too, and yet God used them greatly. And this incident here at the end of Acts 15 lets us kind of see the humanity of Paul and Barnabas. Uh, yes, they were used greatly. They performed miracles. They preached great sermons. They started churches. Paul even wrote books of our Bible. And yet they were sinners. They were broken people at times. And even though we could wish that they would have worked things out and kept on together as a team, God still went on to use Paul, and presumably he used Barnabas as well. Despite our sin and our personality conflicts, our disagreements that we may have with each other, uh, despite all of our shortcomings, God can do a great work through sinners like you and I. Now, of course, this also naturally leads to the question of who was right and who was wrong in this. I don't want to just ignore that because you're probably thinking it. Uh, Paul was an apostle, which gave him a certain level of authority on doctrinal matters. He was one who, uh, through whom God spoke and uh, gave messages at times. But then again, uh, just because Paul was an apostle doesn't mean that he was perfect. He was not right in every decision that he ever made. Barnabas was related to Mark, as we said. He was his cousin, so maybe he was a little biased uh, in favor of him, wanted to give him a second chance. At the end of the day, Luke doesn't blame Paul or Barnabas. He doesn't tell us really who was in the wrong here. And so I think uh, it would be wise for us not to necessarily look to pin blame on one or the other. God chose not to reveal in Scripture who was right about Mark on this occasion. But it is worth pointing out uh, that Mark was used of the Lord later. And this goes right along with what we're saying, that God uses broken people, including someone like Mark, someone who quit uh, on that first missionary trip and, and let Paul and Barnabas down. Years later in Colossians 4, Paul writes these words, Aristarchus, uh, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, 
the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So here, toward the end of Paul's life, as as Paul is writing this letter, Mark is there with Paul in prison. Uh, He's been arrested with Paul uh, for preaching the gospel, and he's, he's a comfort to Paul. He's a fellow worker for the kingdom of God. And so Mark's story isn't over here in Acts 15 just because he failed the first time. God still went on to use Mark. Mark was a scribe. He was a a skilled writer in those days when it was very expensive uh, to produce written works. The materials were were very rare and expensive. Uh, Scribes, professional scribes, were paid to write very small and very neatly to maximize uh, the use of each page. And so they basically helped you get your money's worth out of the the papyrus and, and the ink and things that you used. And so that, that, that was Mark's trade. He was a scribe, a very skilled writer. Uh, Mark ends up being the one who pens the gospel of Mark in our New Testament. It's believed that probably Peter uh, was dictating to Mark as he was writing out those words for us. Another interesting uh, note on Mark. Again, this is years later, toward the very end of Paul's life as he's in prison in Rome. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul is awaiting execution right at the end of his life. This is probably the last book uh, that he wrote. And in 2 Timothy, Paul makes several requests to Timothy, uh, who had, uh, he had asked to come visit him soon. He says in verse 11, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And so here we are at the end of Paul's life, and he wants Mark. Uh, his opinion of Mark has changed gras- drastically. Uh, now he views him as a very useful uh, person, not only a friend, a fellow worker, but somebody who would uh, be a great help to him. In verse 13, Paul goes on to say in that same chapter, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas, uh, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Parchments would be blank sheets of paper for a writing project. And so putting the pieces together here, it seems like uh, Paul is planning on writing something, and he wants Mark as a scribe to come uh, so he can dictate it to him, he can write it all out. And if I had to guess, I think uh, Paul was run, wanting to write here the book of Hebrews, but now we're getting way off topic, so we'll leave that alone. The point is, Mark was restored to ministry. He had failed Barnabas and Paul that first trip, but God uses flawed and broken people to accomplish his purposes in the world. And Mark was one of those people that grew and became a great worker for Christ in his kingdom. It's a reminder to all of us that our failures don't have to define us. Our past mistakes, even our present shortcomings, uh, can be overcome by the Spirit of God molding us and helping us to grow and mature in Christ. And so, no matter who you are, no matter what uh, weaknesses you have, God can use you. You can be someone that God uses to advance his kingdom in the world, bringing the gospel to the lost, helping teach the Bible to someone who's new in the faith. Let God work in in your life over the course of a few years. You might be surprised at what he can do through you. Uh, Last thing I'll say about the split here of Barnabas and Paul is it may be that God used this disagreement to double the missionary efforts uh, because Paul and Barnabas end up splitting here and they take others with them. And so now instead of one missionary team, you've got two. Uh, And isn't that just like God to work even through seemingly negative and even tragic circumstances to accomplish something better than we could have imagined. 
Hard times come into our lives and they often mature us and grow us as people. Uh, They lead us sometimes in a weird way to better things than we could have asked for. I've had things like this happen in my life. I'm sure you have as well. Something like you you lose a job only for you to end up finding a better job because of it. Uh, A relationship falls apart and years later, you're in a far healthier one. Things like this happen all the time. And the trouble is, in the moment, all you can see is the negative. All you see is, oh, this, this terrible thing that's right in front of me that's happening right now. You see the loss, the desperate situation you're in. What you can't see is how God is going to use that mess to develop you as a person, to bring you to a better place in your life where you can thrive and grow in your faith. And so despite this fact that obviously this is a sad parting of ways between Paul and Barnabas, uh, there's the silver lining of the fact that they both continue to serve the Lord. Verse 39 says uh, that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him, and they sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So now we've got two groups here going out uh, on these missionary journeys. Acts follows the Apostle Paul. and So we leave Barnabas at this point. So Silas goes along with Paul. Uh, Silas, as you remember from earlier in Acts 15, he was one of those leading brothers in the church of Jerusalem. He had come up with Paul and Barnabas uh, when they had delivered the letter to the Gentiles. And so Paul had gotten to know Silas uh, maybe on that trip. And so now the two of them head off together. Verse 41 says, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Uh, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. So we got a lot of locations there. Let's take a look at this on the map. So the first journey... You remember, they went from Antioch to Cyprus, and then up here to the southern part of Galatia, and then they head back home. Uh, This missionary journey, Paul goes up on land, so he's not sailing this time. He's going up on land uh, through Cilicia, and then over into Galatia, and then eventually, as we'll see next week, uh, they end up going a lot further, even all the way over to Greece, uh, before they end up coming back home. So what you see up there right now is the entire second missionary journey we're going to be covering over the next uh, several weeks. So Barnabas and Mark, they go to the island of Cyprus. Paul and Silas go north and then over uh, Cilicia and, and over to Derby and Lystra, back to those places they had been before. And, uh, and so uh, now at, at Lystra, uh, again, this is one of those, those churches they had established the first time a few years prior. We're told that Paul meets a young man named Timothy. Verse 1 of chapter 16 says that Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So here we're introduced to Timothy. It is the same Timothy uh, that Paul later would write the books of First and Second Timothy to. Uh, This is that from the first trip when when Paul planted this church in Lystra, uh, Timothy's grandmother and mother were both saved. Uh, They were godly ladies who had taught Timothy the Old Testament from his childhood. And now all three of them are Christians. Again, his mother's a Jew, and so they have that Jewish background. They're knowledgeable of the Old Testament, and they hear the gospel and receive it. Uh, We know all this from 2 Timothy, where Paul writes to him and says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So Timothy's grandmother and his mother were saved first, and then uh, he was raised in somewhat of a Christian home. Maybe toward the end of his teen years or something, uh, he had some influence there of Christianity. 
Chapter 3, Paul tells Timothy also in that letter, As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings referring to the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So uh, Timothy had been raised in a Jewish home, being taught the Old Testament, and now he was a Christian. He had uh, apparently been there when Paul came through the first time. He had even heard Paul preach. He had seen, uh, perhaps it seems like he had been there when Paul was stoned at Lystra. You remember that the last time? Uh, Verse 10 of chapter 3, Paul says to Timothy, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, uh, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. So it seems like Timothy was there as a witness uh, to all of those things that took place the last time. So now Paul comes back to Lystra. There's Timothy. He's a disciple uh, in the church at Lystra. Timothy's dad was a Greek, uh, so he would have been a Gentile. His mother was a Jew. And so he would have been basically considered a Jew because he had at least one parent uh, who was Jewish. Verse 2 also says of him that he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So Timothy had a good reputation. Uh, We find out in the letters that Paul writes to him that he was a gifted young man, uh, someone that Paul later came to trust very much. Uh, But here in Acts 16, we're told that Paul wanted, verse 3, Timothy to accompany him. So he decided that Timothy uh, should come with him and Silas as they go uh, planting churches in these new places. He wanted Timothy to come with him. And this is the beginning of a very deep friendship a mentorship between Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul later in life refers to Timothy as his beloved son, his son in the faith. And so this is the start of a very meaningful relationship uh, between Paul and Timothy. And it's really also the beginning of Timothy's training for ministry. Uh, Later, Timothy will be left in Ephesus. He'll be pastoring the church there. And so this is sort of the, the internship, if you will, as Timothy is mentored and trained by the apostle Paul. But then look at the rest of verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now wait just a minute. Uh, Didn't we just have this whole big meeting uh, back in Acts 15 where it was settled that Gentile converts to Christ did not need to be circumcised? What is Paul doing here? Notice the word because in verse 3. He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews in those places. So there's the reason he did this. That's further explained by the next phrase. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So these Jews would have known that Timothy probably wasn't circumcised because his father was a Gentile. Uh, Now, important to note, the Jews mentioned there in verse 3 are not Jewish Christians. Okay, these are not people that are, are a part of the church. Uh, these are the people that Paul was trying to reach. These are just normal Jews. They haven't uh, uh, received the gospel of Christ yet. And they would not have listened to Timothy had he not been circumcised. So this is not a violation of the Jerusalem council. Uh, Timothy did not need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Okay, he was already a disciple. He also wasn't circumcised in order to appease the Jewish people in the churches. Uh, They already thought highly of him. He already had a good reputation among them. It would have been wrong for Paul to have Timothy circumcised for either of those two reasons. 
Okay, you follow that? If they thought we need to circumcise Timothy because that's how you get saved, well, Paul says that's a false teaching. That's another gospel. That's, that's heresy. <laughs> okay, so that's not, that, that's not a good reason. Uh, if he had circumcised him because the, the Christians, the Jewish Christians there in those churches wouldn't accept him uh, unless he was circumcised, that would also be wrong. That would be showing partiality and, and, and putting a, a wall of division between Jew and Gentile, which had already been torn down by the Jerusalem Council. This was for the sake of evangelism, reaching unsaved people. Paul understood that if Timothy was going to come along with him and minister to these new places and, and, and hopefully minister to Jewish people, give them the gospel of Christ, Timothy could have a wider influence over these Jews in these places where they were going to take the gospel if he was circumcised. Paul explains later in 1 Corinthians 9, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win more of them. In other words, he says there, I did certain things in order to reach people, things that I didn't have to do, but I did them anyway in order to have more of an influence and win more people to Christ. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul was very sensitive, in other words, to try to do everything that he could not to offend those that he was trying to reach with the gospel. Now, it doesn't mean that he watered down his message. If you read Paul's letters, he spoke clearly, he preached clearly. Uh, but this is speaking about things like eating certain meats that Jews would not approve of, uh, things that really aren't that important either way, but if it will earn him a hearing, Paul says, I won't eat those meats. If it will gain respect uh, in the eyes of the Jews and let, give me an opportunity to give them the gospel of Jesus, uh, then I will, I will, for that sake, for the sake of the gospel, I will abstain from those things. And so Timothy was circumcised in order to be a more effective witness of the gospel of Christ to the Jews. This is another principle that we can learn from today, although our contexts are, of course, different uh, there are some things we should think twice about doing, not just because they may be sinful, but also if it's something that would harm our testimony for behaving in ways that others would consider to be inconsistent with Christianity. In other words, are we doing things that would cause others to be less likely to listen to our message when we go to share Christ with them? Uh, there's a number of things that I could mention. I'm sure if you thought about it for a minute, you could think of things like this. I'll give you one example. Uh, foul language. Uh, maybe you've become accustomed at work using uh, profanity or something like that. It's the sort of thing that you might think, well, that's not the biggest deal in the world. Uh, who really cares? But it does affect your testimony. It does damage your witness. People expect Christians not to swear. And if your friends or your family, your coworkers, whoever knows that you're a Christian... They know that you go to church. When they hear you using profanity, it's sort of like if the Jews saw Paul uh, eating meat that, that, that had blood mixed in it or something. That would be a violation to them. might not be the biggest deal to you, but it does harm your witness for Christ. That's just one example. Again, there's all sorts of different things we could think of uh, that would fit in that category. The point is, as much as possible, 
We ought to behave in a way that is consistent with our claim to be a follower of Christ. People should see that we are genuinely living in obedience to the Lord, even in little things that they may consider to be hypocritical, uh, that would damage our reputation in their eyes and thus lessen our effectiveness in reaching them. Verse 4, let's wrap up the text here. It says, as they went their way through the cities, they, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So this is referring back to the Jerusalem council from the previous chapter. Uh, you remember that they had written that letter saying, you know, you don't need to be circumcised to be saved. You know, you Gentiles, you can be a part of the church without becoming Jews. However, we are asking that you would, again, not do these certain things like eating meat with blood in it and, and those sorts of regulations uh, for the sake of the unity of the church. And so they're relaying the message to these Gentile converts, uh, the requests that the elders and apostles in Jerusalem had given. Uh, we covered those last time, so we're not going to go through those again. Uh, but here we just see them passing the word along to these churches in Galatia. So Paul and Silas, they, they get through that region, uh, passing along the instructions as they go from church to church. Uh, and then verse 5 says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they were increased, uh, they increased in numbers daily. So things were going well. Uh, these churches were, had rejected the false teaching of the Judaizers that had, had hit them before. Uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians seems to have had a good effect here. And now, with these further instructions delivered to them, there's unity between Jews and Gentiles in the church. Uh, the churches are strengthened in the faith. Uh, presumably, Paul and Silas spent some time with them teaching and, uh, and helping them to grow. And so the churches also are growing numerically, it says. The gospel is spreading throughout the whole region as churches in each area are reaching new people and making disciples of Jesus. And now with these churches built up and doing well, Paul sets his gaze to the regions beyond. We'll see next time how the Spirit led Paul and Silas to new areas to preach the gospel where Jesus had not yet been named. So far, they've been in what we call today Turkey, the country of Turkey, uh, next week, they sail across the sea to Macedonia, what would be modern-day uh, Greece. Pulling together the, uh, the principles we've seen in the text today, uh, the point really of this is that God uses broken people, people like you and I. God especially uses committed people, uh, those who are willing to do what it takes to get the gospel to the lost and to reach people for Christ, even things that might be really inconvenient, like Timothy uh, being circumcised. He did it for the sake of reaching people. Such was his commitment to the gospel. And God blessed those efforts. And my prayer is that we'll see some of that blessing here at our church as well. I hope you've been praying about the Christmas Eve service we're going to be having this Saturday. Don't forget that. That's this Saturday is Christmas Eve. I'm going to be having our candlelight service here at 6 p.m. Uh, we've been doing a lot of advertising online. We've been doing some, uh, some door hangers, some invitations, things like that, trying to get the word out. I would encourage you to invite friends and neighbors to come, continue that uh, this week, getting those, those invitations out. But in the end, we need the blessing of God. We need God to do a work in our city. Uh, Paul preached the gospel in many different places, and the results were never really predictable. Uh, sometimes he went into a city, and the whole city just accepted the message, and it was a great church started there. Other times, uh, Paul was beaten and thrown out of town, or he was imprisoned, as we'll see uh, over the next couple of weeks. And so the results ultimately are up to the Lord. Our job is to be faithful to the work, uh, to preach the gospel, to try to reach out to others and present Christ to them. 
Uh, God's job is to draw people to himself. And so we ask that he would do that for us as a church as we continue to be faithful to preach the word of God. Let's pray together.